Our mission is to lead individuals to become faithful and effective followers of Jesus Christ. Our series that we're in talks all about our mission, vision, and culture. And this week, Pastor Tom shares week three of our series. This week's message is called How We Measure. If you'd like prayer for anything at all, or you'd like to take a next step like joining a team, getting one-on-one coaching, or joining a life group, visit our website. That's www.wordoflifeag.org. Oh, good morning, Word of Life. How are we doing? Everyone okay? So I don't have any Mike Chiz jokes planned for today, but we'll see how we go. Well, I'm glad you're here. Uh, If you don't typically come to Word of Life, if this is not a church that you're uh, typically a part of, this is not your home church, delighted that you're here. Hope you've made made to feel welcomed, that um, you're appreciated, glad that you're able to be a part of things. I do want to give everyone a heads up. Um, If you've been a part of uh, church the past couple of weeks, uh, you'll know that the message series that we're concluding today is not a typical sermon that we would have here at the church. We've decided, Megan and I, we thought about um, the, the point in the calendar that we're starting to get back to a sense of normalcy, sense of rhythm. Kids are back in school. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Um, Kids are back in school. Summer is done. All the unpredictability of summer, things being off rhythm, all those things. Uh, It means that we're now somewhat of a reset. We're now kind of getting back on pace, back into the rhythm of things. So we felt this was the perfect time to come and share with the church. This is some of the vision of our church. This is the mission of our church. This is the culture that we're trying to build. And we decided that taking it over a three-week period uh, was the best way to do that. And so far, the response that we've heard from people and the feedback from uh, the people that make up Word of Life Church has been very kind for that. So I'm glad that we did it uh, that way. But week one, a couple of weeks ago now, I shared from a proverb looking at uh, Proverbs 14.4, without oxen, a stable stays clean, but you need a strong ox for the large harvest. And we talked about how you can either enjoy the harvest or you can enjoy the clean stable, but you can't have both. And of course, for us and churches all over the world, the harvest represents people and wanting people to come to know God and people to be impacted by the message of Jesus and how we as a church and Megan and I as pastors have a deep commitment to people and seeing people come to know Jesus in a life-changing way. We've also spent time looking at the church's mission statement, and this mission statement pre-exists us being here. This has been a long-standing mission and vision statement for the church that Word of Life's mission is to lead individuals to become faithful and effective followers of Jesus Christ. And then last week, Megan unpacked that a little and talked about how it's about being faithful and effective, not either or. It's not just faithful or just effective, but rather both is essential. She also shared that a faithful and effective church is made up of faithful and effective people. And we also let everybody know that something that Meg and I have come to in agreement is that as we've been praying and as we've been trying to sort of see, you know, where is it that we need to give the best of our energy, the best of our time for this coming year, we really believe strongly that we need to focus and make sure that our volunteer teams are healthy and strong, well-resourced, and able to do everything that they are called to do. We want to make sure that we've got creative and uh, fantastic outreach that's going to happen. And we're hoping to be able to start seeing more and more outreach opportunities taken so the community can know that there's a church that cares about them. And we want to make sure that we've got next steps in place so that anybody that's a part of the church knows what they can do to start getting even more connected to things of the church, growing in their faith, and all those kinds of good things. One of the things that Meg said that really stood out to me is that a faithful and effective church is an unstoppable church. And one big focus from last week is the importance of being effective. And there's lots of ways that we can measure effectiveness. 
I was reminded a week or so ago, I was watching a soccer game, and my daughter came and plopped herself on my lap and watched the game with me, which she's allowed to do as long as she stays quiet. But as we're watching the game, uh, the Chelsea player, I'm a Chelsea football club fan. Um, come on, somebody. All right. Fine, I'm on my own, I guess. Anyway, but I'm watching the game, and the Chelsea goalkeeper made a really impressive save. Dive, got the ball out, spared us a goal. And Esther started cheering and saying, oh, good, now Chelsea have a point. And it's at that point I had to stand her up and said, that's not how you get points in soccer, go to your room. <laughs> it went a little different than that. But still, that's not the measure of how you win a soccer game. A goalkeeper save, it's important to the game and all the kind of stuff, but that's not what gets you a point on the board. Similarly, we, uh, our family over the summer, we moved into a new house. And if you were to ask us, how's the house going? We would say, the house is great. But there's a whole bunch of different ways that someone could say their house is great or things about their house that they would say is great. Some people would say that having a landscaped yard makes the house great. Being in a quiet neighborhood, being in a single level home, the home being low maintenance. For other people, they would want to fix their upper. For some people, having a room for each of their kids. For some people, downsizing. For others, acres of property. For others, it's close to amenities. Simply put, there's a massive number of reasons that would cause someone to describe a house as a great house. Different reasons will mean different things to different people. But likewise, churches can have different ways to measure how effective or successful they are in the mission they believe God has called them to. As a part of the Mission Vision Culture Weekends, we considered the need for us to be effective, that for us to complete the mission we believe God has put on this church, we need to be faithful, but not only faithful, but also effective. And churches have a number of ways of measuring their effectiveness. Some churches, they'll measure their effectiveness by weekend attendance. Others, by how many new members they've had this year. For others, it's how many people make a first-time decision to follow Jesus or how many water baptisms. Others will look at their small group activity. There might be a primary focus on a particular age group. A number of churches have a big focus on college age, that age bracket. And the more people we have in that college age bracket is our measure of success. Other people will look at outreach stats. How many people in the community have we touched base with over the last year? Others will have a big focus on missionary support. How much have we been able to resource and fund missions all over the world? And others will have a focus on church planting. And if this is the focus that a church has, and many do, I'm certainly not trying to discredit it, there are unhealthy measurements that churches can use. It's unhealthy for churches to be consumed with how much money comes into the church. It's unhealthy for churches to be consumed with how big and impressive the building is. To be consumed with, do we have a larger attendance than the other churches in town? How many followers does the pastor have on social media? There's lots of ways a church can measure if they're fulfilling their mission well, that a particular measurement or metric is going to confirm that the church is on the right path. And for Megan and I, there's something that we simply cannot shake off, something that will always be at the heart of our ministry outlook. We are consumed with the notion of growing personally as disciples, growing as disciples. The vital importance of growing closer to God, growing as a believer, growing in faith and maturity, growing in effectiveness, never forgetting that there is more to discover in my relationship with God, that there's more wisdom and guidance that God has for me. That even though I'm not perfect, even though I have a long way to go, He has promised to walk me through and He has promised to stay with me and help refine me and shape me and mold me into the person He created me to be. 
that until any of us step into eternity, we will be a work in progress. So we grow both as individuals, as couples, as families, and we grow together as a church. We grow together as a community of faith. We grow as individuals, and we grow together as a community of faith. This is reflected in our mission statement. Because of the word, become. Word of Life's mission is to lead individuals to become faithful and effective followers of Jesus Christ. It's the becoming. We are consumed with the becoming, with the transformation, the growth and development. The growth, development, becoming of people who are both starting and continuing their relationship with God. We are leading, helping through servant leadership, people become something stronger, healthier, more mature, more equipped for life, more faithful, more effective followers of Jesus Christ than we are today. This growth and becoming is how we will know we are fulfilling our mission. King David, just before he got ready to go and fire a stone into Goliath's forehead, went before King Saul, and King Saul thought he was helping by putting his armor on David. And it was ridiculous. David's a kid. The king's armor looked pathetic, looked ridiculous, would have slowed him down. David got rid of the armor and went out and took care of business with Goliath. But this boy would grow into be the greatest king Israel ever had. He grew into the armor. When he was a kid, the armor didn't fit. But David grew and he became king. There's many verses in the Bible that give insight and instruction on this whole idea about growth and becoming. Well, the one that stood out to me that I want to share with you today is from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And we're going to go through this, and I want to be respectful of the Bible passage and look at the context a little bit and then start considering what it has to say for us. But 1 Corinthians 3, starting in verse 1, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger, and you still aren't ready, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. So clearly, Paul is about to confront the church with a tough word. Now let's carry on and see what it is exactly that he's going to address. Verse 3, you are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? When one of you says, I am, I, I am a follower of Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, aren't you acting just like the people of the world? Jealousy, quarreling, controlled by their sinful nature. Paul's clearly not playing around here. But Paul and Apollos, they were friends in ministry. They didn't see themselves as opponents of each other. Paul had plenty of opponents and people he had conflict with, but Apollos wasn't one of them. These are people that are doing ministry together, that they agree with one another, they want to be and build the church together, and yet people in the church have started gravitating towards one leader over another. This would be the same as if somebody wanted to come and start saying, well, you know, I'm listening to Tom, he knows what he's saying, he knows he makes a lot of sense, he knows what's going on, but, you know, and other people are saying, no, 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 forget that bozo, let's go and see what Mike Chiz has to say. That's how, that's how this plays out. These people are not on separate pages, but yet people in their childishness and in their jealousy and in their quarreling, they've started dividing over which leader they're going to pay more attention to, and Paul is trying to correct that. After all, verse 5, who is Apollos, who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your heart, and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. 
It is not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. And the main emphasis of this verse is to address the immature conflict and division that had arisen. But what is true then and what is true today is that it's God who brings growth. Paul repeats this twice to make sure the readers and the hearers of this 2,000 years ago didn't miss it. But it's God who brings growth. And the growth that was celebrated from Paul in this passage, it was the individual growth in individual hearts. Verse 6, I planted the seed in your hearts, in individual hearts, seed was sown, and God was bringing about growth in individual hearts. We may celebrate numerical growth, and it'd be great if we outgrew this service and we had to add a second service. If our midweek ministries were bursting at the seams, if we couldn't train up small group leaders quick enough to be able to hold all the life groups that people are asking us to be a part of. But the true measurement of whether we're faithful and effective is not in the data we can count or calculate. It's in the seed of our hearts coming to fruition. It's the stories of individuals, people growing in their faith and relationship with God and seeing that growth impact every area of their lives. How are we becoming more faithful and effective? How are we growing closer to God, both as individuals and a community? The answers to these questions will show us if we're achieving the mission. How are we becoming more faithful and effective how are we growing closer to God? The answers to those questions will show us if we're achieving our mission. Word of life is accomplishing our mission when there is true growth as we become more faithful and more effective as followers of Jesus. Success is observed in the stories of individuals. Success is measured in the volume of stories of life change. Success is proven by the stories having a lasting impact. Failure is a whole lot of activity that doesn't lead to a story. Failure is not doing anything when the world is desperate for the church to do something. Failure is keeping the stable clean instead of gathering the harvest. Word of life is accomplishing our mission when there is true growth as we become more faithful and more effective as followers of Jesus. And it's important to remember, we are not a business. We are a church. If we were a business, there would be a demand for a specific metric or something measurable to be able to quantify success. The suggestion that a business knows it's getting the desired results simply by a lot of stories from people is obviously not how a business can run. Businesses have metrics and P&L sheets and projections and financials, etc. And for a business, that's fine and that's expected. But we are not a business. We do not have customers. We're a church. We're a community of faith. We're not driven by something that can be counted but by a deep desire to hear more and more stories of God moving in the lives of people, God growing the seeds in people's hearts. There are, of course, things we measure. There's metrics we record, and there's reports that we generate. There are measurable things that we celebrate. But if we have an eternal perspective, none of it matters if there's no life change, no transformation, no growth, no becoming, no step forward, that's why the stories and reports of God moving in the lives of people will be our measurement of success. The stories of people's lives being changed and transformed by the good news of Jesus will be our measurement of success. And in this, every step forward is a step worth celebrating. 
Every step forward is a step worth celebrating. I've shown this diagram before, and I'd, I'd like to show it again. And I stole this from someone else. I didn't make this up or didn't create this, uh, but it's extremely impactful to me. Now, please don't get lost into the numbers and the details of this. This is just for the benefit of conceptual imagery. But here, if you imagine that there's a scale of someone's faith and you have negative 10, and if negative 10, this is people that are angry at God, people that are actively hate church, people that are furious at God, people who have been disappointed by God, people who, who will do anything to try and convince people that there's no reason for faith, that faith is ridiculous, all those things. That would be the negative 10, the extreme example of somebody who wants nothing to do with God at all. And then you sort of move closer and closer towards zero, and zero is the point when somebody is ready to make a decision to follow Jesus. And then as you move up the scale, then we start to look at Christian maturity. Now, I can say with extreme confidence that 10 is something that none of us will ever get this side of eternity. So this is just for conceptual purposes. So please don't get necessarily locked into the numbers. Well, the reason I want to show you this is the whole idea of every step forward is worth celebrating. Is that if somebody is an 8, a negative 8, they're mad at God, they don't like church, they don't want anything to do with it, but they have a positive encounter with someone they work with who's a believer, and they nudge a little closer, and now they're like a negative five. That's worth celebrating. That's worth celebrating. If somebody goes from a zero, they've made the decision, they've, they've come to that point in life. I don't know about you, but I know for me, it was the best decision I've ever made. They've got to that point where it's zero, and they're ready to start taking another step forward to start growing in their faith. That's worth celebrating. There's somebody, they're saved, they're a believer, they're confident in their relationship with God, but they've just got some addictions that just won't back off. They finally get the courage together to go and get some help. That's worth celebrating. That is worth every single step forward. It's worth celebrating. We will celebrate every progression forward, every moment of growth, regardless of the starting point of somebody on that scale. For many of us, progression would mean growing in relationships, healing a broken relationship, other people, it would mean that getting tripped over less and less by temptations, having meaningful time reading the Bible, more comfortable being a believer in our workplace or school, embracing a healthy prayer life, or as the Bible says, living peaceably as possible with everyone, being a better employee. For some of us, it might be some more extreme things. It might be that first decision, that first step of making the decision to follow Jesus. There might be complete family dysfunction that people need to start addressing. There might be addictions or breaking out of poverty. Or maybe for some people who are seasoned and mature in their faith, still the steps forward are deepening Bible knowledge or refining character or addressing some long-held attitudes or a renewed love for the people in our community. But it all begins with a steadfast decision to take a step forward. Every step forward is a step worth celebrating. Every act of growth, every observable instance of becoming is worth celebrating. And the word used in passage we shared from today in 1 Corinthians for grow in the Greek is oxano. And oxano means to grow, increase, and become greater. And it's a commonly used Greek word, and it's used in the New Testament for both everyday and spiritual things. Here's a few examples of where oxano is used from Matthew. It is the smallest of seeds. This is Jesus talking about a parable of the mustard seed. But it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows, it oxanos, into a tree and birds come and make nests in its branches. Luke 2, verse 40. There the child, talking about Jesus as a kid, grew up healthy and strong. 
He was filled with wisdom and God's favor was on him. John the Baptist talking, he must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. The book of Acts. So God's message continued to spread. That spread is that word, oxano. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem. We will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. From 2 Peter, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this whole idea of growing is reflected in our mission statement in the word become, it's the becoming. The word of life mission is to lead individuals to become faithful and effective followers of Jesus Christ. And one of the things I love about our mission statement is that it's filled with hope and optimism. That vision statement, that mission statement that was here long before Megan and I ever got here is filled with optimism. Leading, becoming, and following all point to the future. Leading, becoming, following, they all point to the future. That commitment to grow is future focused. It's full of hope because it believes that the future can be better, stronger, healthier, greater than it is today. That this time next year, we can be more faithful and more effective than we are today. That we can become closer to God. We can move forward. We can let go of things that need to be let go of and we can progress forward. Another way that we could say the mission statement is that we lead individuals to grow in faith and grow in effectiveness as followers of Jesus Christ. It's an attitude and commitment, no matter how much we know God, there's more. The growing and becoming never ends. There will always be more to know. There's a, a guy called um, William Lane Craig. Some of you may have come across his stuff before. Uh, he titles himself as a Christian philosopher. And he's written a number of books, and he has a podcast that's very popular, and he's uh, often one of the people that's debating atheists when they kind of bring an atheist and um, a Christian to a college campus for debates like that. He's, he's an interesting character. He's good. But I was listening to his podcast one time. Uh, this is a long time ago now. And he started talking about this idea of nothingness. Now, a fundamental core Christian belief is that we believe that the God Almighty is the creator of heaven and earth. And before the creation, the Bible tells us there was nothing. Now, one of the things that this podcast was talking about was that this idea of nothing is unlike anything we could comprehend or wrap our heads around. So for us, when we think about nothing, we think of a blank canvas. Now, a blank canvas, it has nothing on it, but it has the potential to have something there. The canvas is something. I mean, the unused paint is something. Previous paintings are something. Other painters are something. Paintbrushes are something. A vacant lot, it may have nothing built on there, but it has the potential to build on there at least. True nothingness is not a blank canvas. It's not an empty lot. Nothing means there's no starting point, no boundaries, no previous experience, no materials to build with, no blueprint, nothing to imitate, no natural laws, no hindrances, no time, no space, no colors. There isn't even a lack of something because something has never been. A level of nothing that you and I could never ever understand, and yet God spoke into nothing and created everything. Isaiah 55:8, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. This means there will always be a becoming for believers, because I will never wrap my head around a fraction of that. I will never understand what nothing truly is. 
We could never arrive. We could never fully grasp the character, power, history, or majesty of God. So we commit to keep becoming. We commit to keep growing. Back to 1 Corinthians. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seeds in your heart, and Apollos watered it. But it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. We'll do the work the Lord gives us. We will plant, we will water, but it is the Lord who brings the increase. We're not sitting on our hands. We're an active church with various ministry taking place seven days a week, but we're not deluded that this is all because of us. We've said that a faithful and effective church is an unstoppable church. It's vital we remember that we can achieve many things, but only the Lord can make us unstoppable. We can have great events. The worship team is a wonderfully talented group of people that could get up here and they could do a wonderful music set. The preachers that are part of this church can get up and, and share something great, but we cannot generate a revival. Humanly speaking, we cannot get people to the point where they're ready to receive Jesus. Only the Lord can do this work. Only the Lord. But for us as believers and us as a church, I want to share four things that we can all do to plant and water. We just read that Paul took this responsibility seriously. He was committed. Him and Apollos, they planted, they watered. I got four things that we can do to plant and water. Ways to grow, number one. Start now. Start now. Whatever the starting point, start. Embrace the next step. Something I wanted to share with you, at this point, can I ask, are we all friends? And that's not going to change in the next 30 seconds, okay? Attending church is half the story. Attending church is half the story. I'm asking you, please, don't drift in and drift out. Be a part of the community. Church is a place to belong, to be a part of the mission, to play a part, to connect with people. If this is your church, people should know your name. Start taking steps to build your story. As a new Christian at 19 years old, one of the best things I did and the best decisions I made is I got involved at my church. Now, I was 19. I had all the spare time in the world, but I absolutely loved it. I jumped on a team. I jumped in small groups. I became active with the church. It is exactly what I needed. I didn't need more me time. I needed time with people that were going to help me figure out one foot in front of the other. As we put out invitations for people to come and join teams, I have no apology for doing so. The reason is, it is one of the most selfish things you can do because it looks like I need to turn up and help out. What happens is you turn up and you get to become a part of the mission. You get to get alongside people that are a few steps ahead of you in your life of faith and they get to help encourage you take a next step forward and keep moving forward and you grow in faith. You grow more connected here at the church. It is one of the most selfish things you can do but because the packaging is I need to go help out, Hesitancy comes. Do I have time? Can I'm sure I can do this. I signed up for one thing a long time ago, and six months later, I'd spent every single weekend doing something I hated. All these things come in. My promise to you is that if you join a team, if it is not a wonderful life-given experience, we've done something wrong. 
It should be one of the most selfish things you can do. If you've been doing this for a while, been part of church, been part of groups, part of a team, and still kind of feeling stagnant, mix it up. Jump on a new team, jump in a new group, find, sit in a new place in the auditorium. Oh my gosh, there's lightning coming. Okay. If you're feeling stagnant, even though you're doing the stuff, mix it up. Find a new place to get involved. Find a new group of people to spend some time with. Let's see how God moves. All right, second thing. Ways to grow number two. Be consistent. Be consistent. If I needed to smash up a boulder, I'd get a hammer and chisel. If I was really ambitious, I'd get a jackhammer. But a stream will cut through a mountain. Just give it enough time. Consistency. Washing over those stones in the stream, smoothing them out. Invaluable. Consistency is invaluable. Keep showing up. Follow through on what you say. Make church a priority. There's a million things fighting to be our priority. Make church a priority. Be a part of church online if you can't be here in person. Catch up midweek if you're unable to be here on Sunday. Be consistent. Third thing, sacrifice. One thing I've seen in people over the years in church leadership is that sacrifice fuels passion. And passion fuels sacrifice. We'll sacrifice for what we're passionate about. And we're passionate about the things we sacrifice for. Sacrifice and passion somehow are interconnected. And one of the big things when we talk about sacrifice is important is um, society at large misappropriates the word sacrifice. So we say the word sacrifice as in we have to give something, never see it again, and it's giving up something. It's wasting something. It's a sacrifice. We're giving it up. We're wasting it. But the true nature of sacrifice, and this has been true for all of human history and including in the biblical way of thinking about sacrifice, is that you give up something to gain something greater. We talked about this a number of months ago, but this idea of you'll sacrifice spending today to save for the future. It's the same idea. It, it's not wasting anything. It's giving up something with the anticipation and the confidence that something better is coming. Sacrifice is getting up early to go to the gym to gain health. It's this idea, it, it's not waste. Sacrifice is not waste. The invitation to sacrifice is not to waste, but it's given with the belief that it will bring about something greater. And here at the church, if you're sacrificing your time, be a part of team, being a part of things, if you're sacrificing finances to make the mission possible, I hope it's done with a belief that it will bring about something better. And um, a number of years ago, Megan and I, we were overseeing uh, a campus of a church, uh, another church we were a, a part of. It was a multi-site campus, uh, multi-site church. And the campus that we oversaw was in a movie theater. And so that means that six o'clock every morning uh, on a Sunday, the gang rolled in and they spent hours setting up for a 90-minute service and then spent hours tearing down and as we're in the middle of doing this it's tiring it's not always easy to find people that can be at church at six o'clock in the morning sometimes I found out the manager of the movie theater that's supposed to open the door to let you in goes out the night before and oversleeps God bless that guy it's not easy it's a sacrifice because the idea is that me being here me giving up my time me giving up sleep to be here to be a part of this is worth it and as we were in the middle of this, 
I heard a, a podcast from a church leader who they'd recently got a church building. And prior to that, they were doing the same thing we were doing, not in a movie theater, but in a high school, where they were just rolling in real early on a Sunday morning, setting up, having church, packing it all away. And he said that when they moved from the high school to their permanent building, they lost something. And that it wasn't long until people were talking about the good old days, about being back there at six o'clock in the morning, sweating bullets just to make church possible. Sacrifice is not an invitation to waste stuff. It's done with confidence that it's worth it because there's something better. Fourth thing, accept the challenge. Accept the challenge. Take it personally. Don't just sit around in your small group and assume this is for someone else. Take it personally. As someone is sharing the message on a weekend, have the courage to ask the Lord Almighty, Lord, what do you want to challenge me with this? Take it personally. Heard a story a number of years ago. There was a pastor of a small church in some mountain area, I forget where, maybe it was Minnesota or somewhere where they get a lot of snow. It wasn't central New York though. And this pastor in this small town, every week he would get up and he would speak and there was one guy in the church it was really problematic. A lot of things going on. And every week he would preach. And instead of this guy taking on board what he was saying, as the pastor was saying goodbye to people after church, the guy would come up and say something to the effect of, man, that was really good. Those people really needed that. Or you're really right for saying this because those slobs have not got it together. Good job, good job. And the pastor thinking himself, you're the guy. You're the one that needs this more than anybody. And then one day, Big snowstorm came in, and the only person that could make it a church was that guy. So it's the pastor and that guy. And he's like, finally, finally, we're going to get through. Pastor gets up, preaches, lets him know what he needs to know. Have a swift uppercut, sir. After church, he says goodbye. The guy comes up and says, Pastor, that was just amazing. It's a real shame they weren't here to hear it. Take it personally, not because anyone's mad at you, because God loves you. And he's working in each of our hearts, bringing about a growth that only he can do. What does a growing church look like? Church that's filled with growing individuals, growing in confidence in God in every season of life, shaking off religious mindsets, angry people finding joy, Dysfunction making way for order and peace. Standing strong against temptation. People who have a deep knowledge finding ways to apply that knowledge to benefit others. Being strong as we step out into the world. The habits that keep tripping up today aren't present in your life this time next year. Our eyes being wide open to the destructive power of sin. A greater environment of peace and joy in our homes having a rich spiritual life, people making decisions to follow Jesus for the first time, addictions being broken, hope and peace flowing in our lives. And all of this because God brings the growth. This is for people who are both starting and continuing their relationship with God.
We are leading, helping through servant leadership, people become something stronger, healthier, more mature, more equipped for life, more faithful, more effective follower of Jesus than we are today. Never forgetting, it's God who brings the growth. We celebrate the stories of individuals, people growing in their faith and relationship with God and seeing that growth impact every area of their lives. Word of Life is accomplishing our mission when there is true growth as we become more faithful and more effective as followers of Jesus. Every step forward is a step worth celebrating. There's a step forward, growth, becoming for everyone, no matter our starting point. Leading, becoming, and following are all pointing to the future. We can achieve many things, but only the Lord can make us unstoppable. And the seed that we can plant and water now is start now, be consistent, sacrifice, and accept the challenge. I got a couple of questions for you, and if it's helpful, write these down, and maybe have a chance this week to think about this a little bit and pray through it, and perhaps talk to someone about. But the first question is this: Are you open to growing in faithfulness and effectiveness? Are you open to growing in faithfulness and effectiveness? The reason the question is phrased this way is because it's easy to be closed off to the idea of growing and stretching. It's easy to think that's what they need to do. It's easy to think, yeah, that's good because it reaffirms what I'm already thinking and the thing that I don't, I'll just ignore. Are we open to growing in faithfulness and effectiveness? And I know for myself, until I can fully wrap my head around the concept of nothing, I know there's work to be done. I know there's more growing and becoming. Second question. What's your next step? What's your next step? On our website, you'll see wordoflifeag.org slash next steps. There's a whole long list of ways for you to take a practical next step. For someone in here today, maybe talking to someone about water baptism, jumping in a group, being a part of a team, going through life path, hearing about giving tithes and offerings and towards the missions that we're a part of. Maybe it's the coaching that we have through learning to follow Jesus. Or maybe for some of us, we're doing all the things, but we feel we're stagnant and we need to mix it up. My friends, let's be a courageous people that take a next step. What's your next step? And for everyone here today, we've been talking a lot and this whole message, and I, I preface by saying that this is not typical. We've been talking a lot about next steps and becoming and growing and all these things. But perhaps you may be here today And the very first step is something you're yet to do. That first step of coming to that point in life where you know that you know God is for real. You know that you know. You might not even be able to describe how you know it and how you've come to that conclusion, but you know that God is for real. And you know that He loves you so much that you know that He sent His Son to pay a price on the cross that you and I could never repay. And he did it for you, and he did it for me. And you're at that point. And when you're at that point, you are flat out of excuses for waiting one more moment to making that decision to follow Jesus. So before we close today, I wanna pray for anyone here that's ready to say, I'm gonna follow Jesus. I'm gonna start following him. So I invite everyone here, if you wouldn't mind just closing your eyes and bowing your heads. I give you my word, I'm not gonna do anything to embarrass anybody, I'm not gonna do anything that's strange or unusual, 
We're going to pray together in a moment, and I'd love to know who I'm including in that prayer. If this is you today, and you'd be honest enough to say, you know what, I'm not following God, but I want to start, I'd love to pray for you. And if that's you today, if you just put your hand up in the air just for a moment so I can see who I'm praying for. Amen. Anybody else here? Amen. Thank you. Anyone else? Online, you can just hit the button that says, I raise my hand. But anyone else in the room? Anyone else here that would say, you know what, I'm ready to start following God today. I'd love to pray for you. Amen. Wonderful. Amen. Come on, Word of Life. Let's celebrate people making that brave first step today. Amen. Well, we're going to pray a prayer together. And the words are going to be on the screen. I'm going to say a line, and then I'm going to invite you to say this back. And I want to invite everybody here to repeat this back. And if you're praying this for the first time, I want you to believe that there's a power in praying a prayer like this. So come on, everybody. Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. I want to follow you. I invite you to be Lord of my life. Help me follow you every day. I want to leave my old life of sin behind and heal my broken relationship with God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, one more time, let's celebrate. People making that incredible decision. Hey, thanks for checking out this week's podcast. We have live services every Sunday morning at 10 a.m., in person or online. For more info on that and tons more, you can visit our website. That's wordoflifeag.org.